I have returned. But it's not just me this week, y'all. I have a special guest with me. Very thankful for him for coming on the show. Uh, first black columnist at the Detroit Free Press. Contributor to FS1's Skip and Shannon Undisputed. Co-host of Fox Sports Radio's The Odd Couple with Chris Broussard. Weekly columnist for Deadspin. Adj- adjunct professor at uh, at University of Southern California. And personal mentor of mine, Mr. Rob Parker. Welcome to the Reagan Griffin Jr. Show. How are we doing today? Doing great. How you doing? You ready to go? You ready to tussle with me today? Man, I, I'm, I'm always ready. I'm always on my toes. And I, I knew what I was signing up for because you were one of the best in the biz. And, and you you go hard at your arguments. So I, I knew I was getting into something. But, you know, there's no way to improve unless you go up against the best, right? You can't be the best unless you beat the best. Um, but, man, I, I, just, I just ran through all the things that you're involved with. And that's just, you know, the tip of the iceberg. Um, you're a busy man. You are a busy dude. Yes. I, I just, I love to stay busy. I love what I'm doing. I've been doing it for 34 years. And uh, matter of fact, I have two books out right now on Amazon.com that I should mention. Right. Uh, if I'm writing, I'm ripping is a collection of columns I've written over the years. It's got some really good stuff in that. And then my newest book that just dropped is called Tales of Rob Parker's Urinating Mouse. That <laughs> <And> if- <laughs> <laughs> that might be the best running joke on sports media Twitter. I I, I I didn't get it at first, but then as soon as I kept on seeing it, uh, Foxborough's so quiet right now. Tom Brady, you can hear a mouse pissing on Tom Brady's championship dreams. That, that's so funny to me. That's so funny. Exactly. And so people started to expect them and wait. Whenever it's a big loss in a game or something, especially during football season, uh, you know, the, the mouse comes out. So it's a collection of those tweets. I had an illustrator uh, uh, draw up some illustrations for some of the tweets. So it's a fun read. So those two books are both available on Amazon.com. Awesome. Be sure to go check that out for sure. I know I'm going to get me a book as soon as I as soon as I can. Um, before we get into it, I know you're a big sneaker guy. We've had debates over this in the past. Who has the better collection of sneakers? Those are people that know me from the podcast. Y'all know I'm about my sneakers. So before we really get into any of this, I got to ask you, what's on your feet right now? Uh, right now, I got on sandals. What? Oh, oh. Wait a minute. I'm not even going to front, <laughs> but I, I am going to my closet right now just for you. Okay. All right. And I'm going to get you. Let me see you. You know what these are. Oh, yeah. 74 and 10, right? Damn. Those are sweet. Yes. You don't have those. I know you don't have those. Uh, as a matter of fact, I do, but I appreciate the <laughs> I appreciate the sentiment. Uh, no, I got those, the Space Jams, all that good stuff. But we'll see next year. I, I was a little bit uh, nerve wracked because when we had to leave USC, I had to leave all my shoes there. Um, Did you really? You yeah. Just to, you just had to leave. I didn't realize it was like that. Exactly. Because in leaving, right, at the time it hadn't blown up um, to the point where I thought we were going to have to stay for the remainder of the semester. Um, but I, I'm leaving thinking I'm going to come back and, oh, so I don't have those. I'll give you that. You don't have these. I don't have those. No. All right. I just want you to know my collection is strong. Okay. Okay. I, we, may, I may be an adjunct professor, but I love my Jordans. Okay. No, by all means, man, those, those Jordans are, are uh, definitely the best shoes. What's your uh, favorite pair? <laughs> my favorite pair I'm about to show you right now. Okay. Bet. The Travis Scott's. Oh, the Travis Scott's. I'm going to give you a hot take. I don't think they're that good looking of a shoe. Oh, I think these are sweet. I really do. I love them. I love the way they feel. I love the color scheme, the brown and the black and the white. That's just me. I, I and, and I and I would say these are these are 
one of my favorite pair. And then the other ones that are really everyday Jordans, and I'm going to show you these too. These are my other go-to pair that you can wear with anything. They're all black. These are the premiums, the fives. And these are sweet. Okay. These are mm. And these are all double leather, man. These things are so great. They look great with anything. Those look <laughs> durable. Like, you they cannot are. mess those up. These are very heavy, and they're durable and strong. I love them. So I have those. Are, those are my favorites right there. Those are the Travis Scotts. If you had to rank yourself amongst the sneakerheads in the sports media industry, I know Skip Bayless. He posts a lot of stuff with his Jordans. Where would you put yourself? Well, I would be behind Shannon Sharp, who has a million pair. I, I'm not on that budget. <laughs> Got you. Uh, I'm not in that class. But I would say second behind Shannon. Second Skip behind Shannon. Lot, but I don't know if Skip has. The exclusive ones, like I just showed you, Off-Whites or Travis Scott's, he has the traditional ones you buy at the store. Got you. No, yeah, I mean, it, it, I've seen your collection. I'll give you respect, I do have to say. The second I enter the sports industry, I might be surpassing you. I'll just leave it at that. But we, right. talked, about your, um, we talked about your books out, um, and, and you have all these things that, that you associate with yourself. The whole mouse ping, the, the whole uh, variations of the goat, the willow, the... Uh, uh, the, the exactly. You got all those things going, and this is all part of this brand that you've built for yourself, right? It's all part of the Rob Parker aura, and that's really why I think Think you've solidified yourself amongst the top players in this industry right now talk me through the the process of what it's like to build a brand for yourself and, and how to take certain aspects of your personality and really have people expect those things when, when they come to you for content that, that that's really what it is you want to separate yourself you can't be like everybody else okay and i'll give you the perfect example of how i came up with the Loke for Tom Brady, the mm -hmm. luckiest of all time. After Tom Brady won that Super Bowl, right, that gave him more Super Bowls than Joe Montana. Montana right. had four, and, and that was number five for Tom Brady. So the next day I'm going to be on, everyone's going to go crazy about Tom Brady, that this is it. He's the greatest of all time. There's no debate. He has more championships now than uh, uh, Joe Montana. So – that was what the parade of analysts were talking about that day. Mm -hmm. And I came in prepared, ready to go. And I was able to lay out not just coming up with the load, the luckiest of all time, but to be able to chronicle what I'm talking about and the games and the lucky situations that happened for him right. to allow him to win those games. So it's not hollow. I'm not just saying he's lucky and I don't have any evidence. I'm, te I'm telling you the tuck rule when he won the first Super Bowl. I'm telling you when Carolina kicked the ball out of bounds and, and set up the game-winning field goal in that Super Bowl. Or, or, or Seattle at the one-yard line when the announcer's saying New England should let them run the ball in, you know, to score and get the ball back. And the same thing in Atlanta, mm -hmm. where they're, they're in the, the field goal range, first and 10 at the 22. All they have to do is kick a field goal, and they're up by 11, and Tom Brady can't, can't beat them. And instead, none of those things happen. So, so that's my point is, is that day, that next day, I stood out from everybody. Everybody else was singing the same song about right. Tom Brady. And that's what you want to do. You want to try to become stand out from the crowd. There's a lot of pack journalism. There's a lot of guys who take the easy road. It's easy just to praise everybody. Mm -hmm. It just is. And I think, and I'm not saying you have to be negative or try to find a negative 
uh, aspect. I mean, I'm, I'm like the biggest supporter of Isaiah against Michael Jordan, even though I know Michael Jordan's the GOAT right. and I respect him as a basketball player. I don't think what he did to Isaiah was wrong. So I'm one of the loudest critics of Michael Jordan when it comes to that. So it, it's not like if I'm on board with somebody, I'm all the way on board no matter what. Right. I look at my situations, the circumstances and situations individually. And I don't think there's That's anything the, wrong with that. That saying, is ideal. Looking at everything yeah. in isolation. Because what, what really annoys me when, when is when I see journalists who and media analysts who will have these, I guess, vendettas against players or biases towards players, and they only stick by those things. Like, you know what they're going to say about the, the, the situation before the, the situation even happens. Like, I, I won't drop any names, but there's certain guys out there who will ride for LeBron no matter what the dude does. No matter They, those, they see no wrong in anything that happens. You know, and I, I know he's had his lap. Exactly. And to me, you lose credibility there. you got to take the situations. And uh, I, I've, said, I've said it before. I've praised LeBron for his work off the court and the stuff that he's done. Mm-hmm. But there's other stuff that I, when I look at what he's done to the NBA and the super teams, I think he ruined the NBA. And then the mm. worst part is he's the guy like his fans and, and his minions are mad at the Warriors. But LeBron is the one who caused that on himself. LeBron, I always say, started... MySpace and the Warriors started Facebook mm. when they added Kevin Durant. They won up to him, and then he couldn't win. So to me, it's the, it's it's ironic, you know. Like here you were, you were like, oh, I can't win in Cleveland. I'm gonna go team up and get a super team and win. And you remember this, right? Not one, not two, not, not three, three. not really, four. Mm-hmm. Right? He thought he was going to win all these championships because he put together a super team. The Warriors do him one better. And stop him from winning. Yeah. Now LeBron has the most losses of any uh, former MVP in the league. He has six losses in the finals. And that's why I call LeBron the Fafo, the <laughs> finals failure of all time. The, how many of these do you have? That's what we need a collection of. I think that's the next book, just all of uh, the... Those are, those are uh, uh, hoodies that are coming out this fall for the holidays. Bet. <laughs> but, um... Man, it's 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 wild to me that, you know, not as many journalists approach things the way that you do, because as journalists, right, even though we kind of lean towards the analyst side of things, we, we're still journalists and you're supposed to look at things. Well, objectively. not everybody. And I think that you're right. That's the problem is I, I'm still when people ask me what I do for a living, I say I'm a sports writer. Mm-hmm. That's my training. I still even on the radio, I could be goofy. I could be funny. I could try to be glib and all that. But deep down, I'm never going to let my hair down enough to where you're not going to respect me as a journalist. Right. Or I'm going to turn my head and look the other way because there's something funny going on on the radio. I have pressed back on players when they present something that's not uh, that they can't uh, uh, they can't validate or they don't have any credibility on. I'm going to push back on you, even though you're a guest on my show, mm-hmm. and, and and show people that. He just said something that he can't validate and and that and you can't do that. You know what I mean? Like you can't. Yeah. If you can validate it, it's like when people would call up to my radio show years ago and be like, oh, you know, so-and-so, Miguel Cabrera is a terrible uh, clutch hitter. And I would say, uh, based on what? You got to give me because last night he struck out in the ninth inning. Mm-hmm. Now, if you call me up and say he's a terrible 
uh, clutch hitter, and you say in the last 20 games, in the seventh inning or later, he's batting 110, then I can buy that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you, your, your opinion is based off of information that you have, not because the guy disappointed you last night. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So you talked about, you know, pushing back against things. There comes a time in every narrative where, where the student has to face the, the, the teacher. Yeah, I think that time is upon us right now, man, because you, you talked about uh, the, the LeBron narratives and the Warriors. And I know you've called uh, Stephen Curry famously the Gamote, the greatest mirage of all time. Me, yes. I have Stephen Curry ranked number nine all time right now with room to grow on the all time great basketball players list. So we're obviously on two very opposite ends of the spectrum there. Today, we got to settle the score. Right here, right now, on the Reagan Griffin Jr. podcast, we are going to settle the score on Stephen Curry. You're my guest, so I'll, I'll let you go first. I'll give you that courtesy, but you know, I, I definitely have a beef with uh, how, how, you, uh, how you portray Stephen Curry. I, I think people think that Steph is that guy, and he's not that guy. Steph is a great shooter. I get it. He's not the greatest shooter of all time. I would take Ray Allen any day or Reggie Miller to make wow. me a clutch shot in a big game. There's no doubt about it. Steph, when the game, when his team is behind or uh, or uh, tied in the uh, final 10 seconds, he's 0 for 8 in those games. Just this past year in the uh, playoffs, there was a chance where he could have forced a game seven. I remember uh, that, yeah. And, and he had a shot. He had a, he had a, he had a look. He could have take, taken a step or two in and taking a two. He didn't need a three, put up a three, missed it. That was just another one. And and when people talk about him, I, I, I get the circus shots. I get the, the half court. I can remember also against uh, the Cavaliers where he made some silly behind-the-back pass late in the fourth quarter, threw the ball out of bounds, where he thought this was January and they were playing the Hornets or something. <laughs> like he didn't take care of the ball. He's not a good defender. Uh, and that's not and, and when I'm talking about this, I'm not saying he's a bum or he can't play. That's not the narrative. Right. It's just that when we start talking about greatest of all time, there's got to be more. There's no way Steph Curry's ahead of Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas is a is a is a uh, top 50 player of all time, is a Hall of Famer, beat Bird, Magic and Michael all in their primes. One two championships in a row, almost three if it wasn't for a bad call against in that series against the Lakers, and he did it without another great player. And what I mean by that, there was no other 50 greatest player on his roster, okay. just Isaiah Thomas. When you talk about Michael, he's has Scotty. When you talk about Bird and, 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 and Magic, they all have two and three other great Hall of Fame players and top 50 players with them. When you talk about Steph Curry, he has Durant, he has Clay, he has other players. And the other part is Steph Curry's never won a finals MVP, which is te- which says something, especially since Iguodala won one of them. Mm. Um, and the other part is obviously Durant is that guy and took over the team as soon as he became uh, a member of the Warriors. And there's no way if Steph was that guy, you could coexist with Durant, but that doesn't mean he would take your team, take your lunch money, which is the way I looked at Durant during those two years uh, with the Warriors. And probably the worst thing on his resume is that Steph Curry is the author of the biggest choke in NBA history. 
no team had ever choked down a three to one lead. That was the 73 and nine team. They won all those regular meaningless regular season games. They come down to the finals of three to one. All they have to do is win one of the final three games. Two of those games were at home and they lost all three. Forget about the Draymond missing one game. If you're that guy, if you're Steph Curry, you win one game and put that team on your back. He couldn't do it. And instead, he has he's tagged with the great with the greatest collapse in NBA history. And so for that re- those reasons, I can't put Steph Curry as high as other people or maybe you mm. would put him. Okay. I gave you the I floor. Do, I, I rest my case. Do you want to bow out? Of uh, <laughs> excuse my French. Hell no. I'm not bowing out uh, on nothing. Um not not with all these notes I took, man. Uh I, I you make some strong points. I'll give you that. But, you know, when we talk about the greatest players of all time, I've done my best to attempt to categorize how I define greatness. And, you know, I, I think it's a culmination of four separate categories being talent, accolades, impact. And I, when I say impact, I mean on basketball and the culture in general. And then that X factor. Right. So I'll address the talent first. I, I know that, you know, you might have an issue with Steph Curry in the big moments in terms of those last 10 seconds of the game, but there, there's still 47 uh, minutes and 50 seconds to be played before that. And in those moments, that's the greatest shooter that we've ever witnessed. Stephen Curry has weaponized both his off the ball movement and his shooting ability like we've never seen before. That dude's Is he already the greatest three point shooter ever in NBA history without a shadow of a doubt. No, he's not. Without a shadow of a doubt. Statistically, he's not. Ray Allen is. By what's the? Are you saying in terms of three pointers made or shooting percentages? Yes. Okay. Three pointers made. Yeah, I mean, Ray Allen played for for a a longer period of time, so I I think by the by by, when it's all said and done, Curry's gonna have passed him up. Technically, he's not at this point. Can you give me that? even then, because it, the the volume no, that no, he no. shoots, I'm asking you: Is he does he make more threes than anybody else in NBA? I'm not defining greatest shooter by the amount right. of threes that you've made. When I look at it, I'm looking at it from a standpoint of how much are you shooting the ball, and then at what rate are you making that? And, and no player in NBA history has combined volume and uh, field goal or three point percentage the way that Curry has. It, it's insane that you know you're looking at a guy that's third all-time in three-pointers made already, and he's shooting it at the sixth all-time percent clip. That That's that, that's almost unfathomable to think. And that, that alone, to me, makes him the greatest shooter of all time. Just no one can put up as many threes as Steph does and make them at the rate that he does. It's just that the, just that the game has changed uh, from the standpoint that uh, people are putting up more threes than they did when Ray Allen... And Reggie Miller played. They and that, put up threes, but not nearly as many as now. That is true, and I will get to that point exactly. Um, because it was Steph. Steph is the exact reason that that is the, that way. But I'll get to that when I'm looking at accolades. Right, six time All NBA, um, three time first time or first team All NBA, six time All Star, three time NBA champion, and two time MVP with the only unanimous MVP in NBA history. We got to give him a lot of credit for for all of those things, right? Uh, there, there were other guys who should have been unanimous way before Steph. I'll give him the, I'll give him the credit that he got it, but it ain't because it was because there's a couple other times where one writer uh, did not, did not vote for him, and 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 
and that's what happened. So, so I'll give him that because that's what's happened. Mm-hmm. But he's not the he's not the first guy who should have been a unanimous. I, I know Shaq had a, the, a very strong case to do it at one point during his yeah, career. Yeah, Shaq was a guy, and and Jordan should have been a unanimous. There's there's at least two or three guys who should have been unanimous before. But Shaq I, missed out by one vote. Right. I, I'm just saying it it ain't like. It, it uh, oh my God! This is the, it. It never happened before. It could or it could have never happened before. It I mean, should have happened. As That's my all. dad likes to say, "Shoulda, coulda, woulda," but it didn't. You know what I mean? So you know, I, I, I get it. So, um, all right, moving on to uh, I'll move on to X Factor first because I'll leave Impact for last because that's where I think the biggest uh, argument for Stephen Curry exists. But when I talk about that X Factor, I know a lot of people want to knock him in this particular category. You already did it because you know in the clutch department he's shown some lapses, and I think that the whole choke artist narrative on Stephen Curry is a bit overplayed, but. I'll concede the fact that he hasn't proven to be a stone cold killer. He 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 wasn't a Reggie Miller. He he's not a Michael Jordan. He's not that dude that I'm 100% confident in giving the ball at the end of those games. But let me tell you what Stephen Curry's real act X factor is. Are you familiar with the concept of player gravity? A player gravity? No. All right. I mean, here's some ma- Here's the made-up stats so that my eye is going to tell me I'm watching something different. No, no, no. Because the, the thing with gravity is I, I, the reason – because I'm a little bit tentative on a lot of advanced stats as well. But gravity is one of those that I, I'm a fan of because you can visualize it as well as as seeing the numbers. Um, and the, the thing with gravity, all it really is is saying how much a, a defense has to respect a player. How much energy and time do they have to do in, uh, in terms of stopping a player – and Stephen Curry is second to none when it comes to gravity because the second that dude passes half court, you have to pay attention to him because he can make it from legitimately any spot half court if you leave him open enough. So that that's so much energy that the defense has to put on Stephen Curry and the fact that he's weaponized his off-ball movement to the rate that he has. Now he's moving all the way across the court, scattering like a, like a squirrel just got out of uh, hibernation looking for some nuts. That dude's insane when the way he moves without the ball. So now that's all that energy is focused on just Stephen Curry. What does that do? We've seen the ascension of guys like Clay, like Draymond, even Kevin Durant when he was in Golden State was the beneficiary of Stephen Curry's gravity. Uh, uh, you understand what I'm driving at with gravity? It's just essentially you have to pay attention to that dude so much that it it, it pokes holes in the rest of your defense. Well, but it's funny, though, but his team choked down a three to one lead. He has never been able to be a finals MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and those are the things that the glaring things that I think and. He's a liability on defense. Uh, that that's just a fact. Um, and, and maybe a lot of guys don't play defense, but when you start to put somebody up there and talk about him being an all-time great and a top ten player, it's just hard to believe that Steve Nash won two MVPs, mm-hmm. won back-to-back MVPs, which right? he shouldn't have. But that's a side uh, no, note. But, but he did. Yeah, I mean, should have, could have, would have. That's my point with Steph. Is that is that you, you can't use just that as the argument because uh, Steph because uh, Steve Nash won two, back-to-back. Okay. Back. Nobody would consider him the greatest, but a top-ten player, right? Right. That's unbelievable. I mean, he's, Steve Nash has also back. never won a championship. Um, no, but I'm, just, but, but, I'm, but I'm saying from that standpoint, well, that's why I can I, – the MVPs don't, don't – because I'm still a believer in – do you have a short – venue in sports it's it's about wins and losses it really is hmm. and when you talk about being in the big games and the big moments 
That's what separates guys. It just it just does when you talk about all-time greats. I'm going to nitpick when I want to put somebody up there. The reason that Marv Levy, who is a former coach of the Buffalo Bills, you know who he is? No, I'm not familiar. Marv Levy. Marv Levy and the Buffalo Bills went to the Super Bowl four straight years. Four years in a row. Okay. Yeah, I'm familiar with that team. Okay, they never won. You know why no one ever mentions Marv Levy? Because he never won. You would say, why? He got the team to the Super Bowl four years in a row. See, I'm not sure if that argument applies here, though, because Stephen Curry has won. My point is... My point is, it is about winning, and 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 when you talk about it, Steph has yes, he's won, but 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 it but it's always been on the healers, and and that's what I'm saying. If you show me that Steph Curry was three and zero in the championship games and won all three MVPs and had the the regular season MVPs and all the other stuff, now we got a different conversation going. He's he's on a stacked team. It ain't just Steph. Steph ain't that guy. Kevin Durant took his team. That's why he was the MVP. Clearly, who was the better player on the on the court in the finals? Steph Curry or Kevin Durant? Who's the more talented player? Without no, a shadow of a best, doubt. Who was the best player? Without a shadow of a doubt, the more talented player was Kevin Durant. But the you. impact of Stephen Curry, that it's not something to be seen. But it's something to be felt because, again, that player gravity, just having to put respect on that dude wherever he is on the court, that opens up so much that for everybody. That doesn't mean that Kevin Durant is going to make the basket even if he's open. That's very – that's true. You could put – you could put – you could put Draymond Green in that spot. Say there was another guy who played Draymond Green's position and Draymond Green became Kevin Durant. And, and and they had to pay attention to Steph Curry. Don't tell me Draymond Green is going to make the same shot. That no, Kevin I, I, I 100% agree that there are players that have to execute based on the, the opportunities it that Stephen Curry is providing. Open, right. But here, here's the thing, right? Because the foundation upon which Kevin Durant was able to be elevated, that foundation is still laid by Stephen Curry. There's a reason why he left the OKC Thunder, right? After having lost, we talk about Stephen Curry 3-1. He left the 3-1 loss OKC Thunder to hitch his wagon to what Stephen Curry, the foundation that he'd already laid in Golden State. There's a reason for that. If Steph Curry was that guy, he wouldn't want Kevin Durant. Who wouldn't want Kevin Durant? Why? Why would you want? You're that guy. You already won a championship without Kevin Durant. What do you need Kevin Durant for? To win more championships. Kevin Durant? If Stephen A. Smith said, I want to come to Fox right now. If Stephen A. Stephen A. Smith came to you and said, hey, Rob Parker, I want to join Fox right now. How do we make this happen? You would be like, nah, Stephen A., I'm good enough on my own. <laughs> we already worked together. You, yeah, right, on, on first take, right. But if he said, I'm done with ESPN, I want to come to Fox, you wouldn't want him? I don't think Stephen A. would want me. On his show, do you know what I'm saying? Once you establish your show, and it's and it's about you. No, no. If I had a a hit debate show and I was doing fine, and Stephen A. was over uh, uh, at ESPN, and he was uh, his show was going down or he, or wasn't doing as well, and he wouldn't. Why? No, I wouldn't. And I don't think he'd want me either. Mm. Well, I, I guess the the reason why Stephen Curry's a little bit different to me. He's already separated himself as one of the more selfless players in the NBA. And that that's just a, a, a product of who Stephen Curry is. It has it, its benefits and it has its choice. drawbacks. I don't think he had a choice when Kevin Durant joined whether or not 
to be selfless or to give up the ball to Kevin Durant. And the, the best player gets the ball, and Kevin Durant was going to have the ball and was going to make those shots. So I, I don't, I don't. You could say, oh, he deferred to him. Nobody defers. Alpha males don't defer to to, to another guy unless you know he's better than you. And I and I know Steph knows it. And everybody else knows Kevin Durant is better than Steph Curry. Kevin Durant is better at Stephen Curry. And I'll admit, he's better in a final setting because that's when the game really slows down and isolation basketball starts to rear its head. But it still matters in terms of getting to that point. And getting to that point, that's Stephen Curry that laid that foundation. I digress. I want to talk about impact real quick because that's the last of my four categories. And that's why I really think that Stephen Curry, you almost got me. You almost got me not to be able to talk about this real quick. Yeah, I see what you try to do. But um, impact, man. We talk about telling this to the story of NBA basketball. You, you said that Curry, it's a more three-point oriented era now than it ever was when Ray Allen or Reggie Miller played. That's why Stephen Curry is making more threes. And I agree with you, but I do think it needs to be said that the reason it's more of a three-point oriented era now than ever before, that's Stephen Curry's doing. Yeah, but but, but I want you to, and I, I don't doubt that him having success making the ridiculous threes when he did, didn't make, uh, didn't change some some thinking. But also, they've been playing. They've been knocking down threes in Europe for a long time. It was called European style basketball, and okay. we had seen it. This has been. That's why Dirk Nowitzki and those big guys, even when Darko was drafted by the Pistons, that's what those guys did. They were out on the perimeter and they were shooting threes, and it was rejected at first in the NBA. It was, mm-hmm. but that's your st- European style basketball. The thing, not just that, yeah. it's just not Steph Curry. European not style not- basketball. I'll admit, there's a lot. It's a lot more three point movement and space oriented. But I don't think anyone's ever stretched the floor to the limit that Stephen Curry has. Just the amount of, of space that he can actually use to threaten against you in terms of where you can make a three from. And here's my other point. Name the other small guard like Steph Curry that since he's introduced this to the NBA that's won a championship. Not I'll one. Win. Not one. I'll because win. Stephen Curry is well, that well, good at it. No, but but it just tells you that when you when you talk about it, Kevin Durant wasn't uh 5'11 or 6'2 or whatever Steph is, uh making threes. He was almost a seven-footer knocking down threes in LeBron James' face to win championships. So it didn't stop, it didn't change the way people won NBA championships. With smaller players, you might have shot more threes, but 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 it wasn't just uh, a step alone. It just it, I'll give you that that the threes, him making those threes from half court, uh, allowed people to feel more comfortable with taking those threes when normally they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you that, but I'm not going to sit here and say that the whole game totally changed because of Steph Curry because I don't buy it. I'm buying it. I, I'm, I'm selling it. You might not be buying it, but the thing is, right, we didn't see teams shoot threes at the rate that they did until we saw the Warriors do it. We didn't see teams orient themselves about, okay, we're going to use as much space in this court as possible until the Warriors I, did it. I give it. you that. I'm not debating that, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying I, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen uh, Trey Young is shooting threes at a high rate. Their t- his team was in last place. Agreed. Uh, so and Trey Young has nowhere near the talent around but, him that Curry did. But the style of play doesn't automatically mean, and he was knocking down threes and, and, and putting up big numbers, it doesn't automatically make you a winner is my point. It doesn't. So what's that intangible factor that, that separates Trey Young and a guy like Stephen Curry? 
It means uh, Kevin Durant and the other players that are around Steph. Well, what, what, we, well, let's think about what was Stephen Curry before Kevin Durant ever stepped foot in, in Golden State. Yeah, uh, two-time MVP, shoot. champion, and had complete. He was one game away from having the single greatest season by any player in NBA history. If he didn't yeah, won that but, championship, and I'm saying, I know we can play the if game all we want. No, I'm not trying no, to do that. You just said if woulda coulda. I know. I know. I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I'm just saying the dude was one game away from having the single happen. greatest you season ever. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't You're happen right because he couldn't win one of the final three games. He wasn't that dude to to, to win a game for the Warriors when they needed it. And maybe. That's Kevin Durant was the thing that put the Warriors over the top, but 73 wins in one game away, that's Stephen Curry by himself. That's just like you can make the argument all you want about the Patriots. They were 18 and 0, they tore apart the NFL, right? Well, no, the the, the the Patriots are the Chafote, so I don't even want to talk <laughs> about that. The cheatingest franchise of all time. But I, they are. I don't even want to talk about the all Patriots, right. but I see your point. You, my, my point is you can you can hang your hat on that, but he didn't get it done. If he got it done, me and you would be having a different conversation. It just didn't happen. And if and if Kevin Durant didn't go there and the Warriors went to the finals five years in a row and won four of them. We'd have a different conversation. It would be. No, I, I'm not I'm not trying to assert that we should have these hypothetical conversations. We can look at things as they happen. What was Stephen Curry before Kevin Durant? What was Kevin Durant before Stephen Curry? I saw Steph win a championship when LeBron was down two stars, when Kyrie and Kevin Love were hurt. If True. we want to really if we want to really dig into it, that's the championship he won. Okay. Then then, then the next year he choked down a three to one lead. And then he decided that he had to go and get uh, Durant to help beat uh, uh, LeBron James. And he did that. So Stephen Curry, before Kevin Durant, two-time MVP, only unanimous MVP in NBA history, one-time NBA champion, been to the finals two years in a row. What was Kevin Durant before Steph Curry? The dude who couldn't get past (laughs) Stephen Curry. Yeah, but the difference is... That when the time came that they did play together, Steph Curry didn't outshine Kevin Durant. That's my point. If he was that guy, even if you add a Kevin Durant, you still would be the guy. It still would be your team. What are you going away from? You just told me he revolutionized basketball. He did. But you're going, but you're going to the big man, but you're going to Kevin Durant. In the big How moments, yeah. Revolutionize the game if Kevin Durant at the end of the day, is making the biggest ba- baskets and winning the games and winning the trophy. Because here's it doesn't the, even make sense. Here's the thing. You're a smart guy. I'm a smart guy. If we need a basket, if we need a bucket, we need an isolation bucket, we just have to give the ball to the best guy who has the best chance of doing that. I'm 6'3", Stephen Curry. You're seven foot tall, Kevin Durant. Of course I'm going to hand you the ball. But Why? that doesn't necessarily Steph Curry make you... revolutionized the game. You just told me that. Yes, because, in, because that is one moment in the course of a basketball game. No, the basketball game is 48 minutes long, and those other 47 minutes before those big shots, those moments matter too. Here's where you're wrong, and here's where you lose your argument. If Kevin Durant isn't, isn't on the court and you're in the same exact spot, you don't look at at, at Steph Curry's size, you go, he's the the most, he's the only guy who could get us that basket that we need. And you go to him regardless. Because he would be the best out. player. Uh, he would be the best option that you had to get an isolation bucket. But if no, you're Steve I'm Curry. I'm you that if I need a bucket and, 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 and I look on my bench and Kevin Durant's not there. You I'm go not, to Steph Curry. I'm, not, I'm going to Steph Curry. Of course. That's my point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it, does, it has nothing to do with 
size and all the other. I mean, it has everything to do with isolation talent ability. That's what it has to do with. I'm just telling you that you know that Kevin Durant's better. I know that Kevin Durant is a better talent, but he does not have higher impact than Stephen Curry. He's a better player. He's a more talented player, but when we talk about when we talk about the greatest players, I think that's a little bit of a difference. But I think we've exhausted that argument. All right, we've (laughs) exhausted this, and we'll have another. We'll have another round. Hey, of course, I'm always here for it. I'm always here for it. Before I let you go, um. Before the show, we talked a little bit about everything going on with Minneapolis, and I'm I'm going to address that after you leave a little bit more. But I wanted to get your two cents on it um, before before you head up out of here. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, my biggest thing is people uh, shouldn't lose focus of what's happened. Like people are criticizing the actions of the protesters and of the all the uh, all the surfacy or surrounding stuff. Don't let people do that to like try to shame the protesters because what happened uh, is what it is that that we should focus in on. Do you know what I mean? Of course, one hundred percent. That that's that's the important thing. Not letting people try to uh, distract you with oh how terrible you're tearing up your own community. Oh that that's awful. What are you doing protesting? This country was built on protest. What mm. are we talking about? Can we talk about, can somebody do American history on the Boston Tea Party? Mm. Can we start there when they mm. dumped the tea in the harbor because they didn't want no taxation without representation? Yeah. Do you remember that? Of course. I, that, AP U.S. history. I'm not that okay. far removed. <laughs> that, that's all I'm saying. So let's not act like this is all brand new and protest. That, that's how you get things changed. At some point, you have to push back. That's all I'm saying. Yes, sir. Very astute observation from the legend himself, Mr. Rob Parker. Thank you again so much for coming on the show. We got to do this again sometime. Reagan, you're the best, man. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. You have a good one. Too. Much thanks again to Mr. Rob Parker for coming on the Reagan Griffin Jr. show. Um, I've only known him for a couple of months now, uh, working with him with USC and sports scene and all of that. Um, but the, the wisdom he's imparted on me thus far, man, is really invaluable. Um, so much, much appreciated to him and looking forward to continuing that relationship in the future. I need y'all's feedback on that debate, man. Y'all heard that? That's me standing toe to toe with one of the best in the industry right now. That's a dude who goes and debates Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp, Chris Broussard and Fox, man. Stood toe to toe. I need to hear you guys' opinion on how that debate went down. What do you guys think? Is Stephen Curry underrated, overrated, accurately rated? Is he a top ten player of all time? Is he, yeah, is he the gamot, the greatest mirage of all time? Give me your guys' feedback. I want to interact with y'all, man. But moving on. Obviously, Mr. Parker and I, uh, we finished our conversation talking about everything going on in Minneapolis right now, and. I got to tell you, man, it's really sad from my perspective as a black man to see this story play out time and again. Um, I'm sure you're all aware of everything that's going on. Uh, I'll give you guys a little bit of context for those of you who might not be the murder of George Floyd by the hands of a police officer. Another yet another unarmed black man dying at the hands of the police. Um, I'm not going to touch too deep into the actual political dynamics of it. Uh, if you want to hear my opinion, how I feel about it, I, I wrote a piece called A Letter to My White Friends, and that's on my Instagram. You can go check that out at Reagan underscore Griffin underscore II. Um, essentially, what, what I was trying to do with that is 
highlight the the pain that I feel when people that I have come to know and love have a lot of respect for, um, been through a lot with, you know, that are white. And those people don't come to my defense, our defense uh, as black people. Um, when things like this arise, that that definitely it's frustrating and it's painful to um, to sit back and observe. So I, that was me airing out my frustrations. Hopefully, you know, people have enjoyed it thus far. Hopefully, you know, if you haven't read it yet, you can go take a look and uh, get something from it. But what I do want to talk about is the amount of athletes that we're seeing vocalizing their perspectives on this. You know, it's really unprecedented, man. Never in my life, not not with Trayvon Martin, not with Ferguson, not with Trump's election, not even with Kaepernick kneeling. I never have I seen this many athletes all unified in the same cause saying this is not OK. We cannot stand for this anymore. Never, man. Like it's everybody. We, we, we talk about LeBron James, Odell Beckham Jr., Steve Kerr, Carson Wentz, Steph Curry. Lisa, Lisa Leslie Donovan, like everyone is having something to say right now. And it's extremely encouraging to see, you know, not just black athletes, but white athletes and coaches as well coming out and saying that this is not OK, because that to me, that's the only way this is ever really going to get rectified is if we stand unified as a people, not just black people, but all people who understand that this is not an okay thing that should be happening in this country and that we'll no longer tolerate it. Once we all stand together, that's when we're going to actually see tangible progress. And it seems like we're trending in that direction more than ever before, man. And it's, it's encouraging, but it's still frustrating that, that we have to deal with this in this country. Um, often when we talk about this concept of politics and sports coming up, right? When, when the lines get a little blurred and you have players that are participating in politics, um, there is the question, right? Should players participate in politics? Should players use their platform to vocalize their opinions? Uh, you got folks on Fox News, really just ignorant people, man, like Laura Ingram talking about, you know, shut up and dribble. We only want to see you play. And I've never that, that that's just the most selfish, ignorant idiotic statement that you can possibly make every human in this country has the right to speak up and, and i've never been the person to say if you're an athlete you have to speak out on issues because frankly you know you have that right not to if you feel like that you're not apt to if you're not equipped to if you don't want to you know if, if you don't feel like that's your space to operate in by all means that's your right to separate yourself and say, I, I don't want to address these issues. Frankly, I think we could use a little bit more of that in this country right now. People saying, I don't know enough about this to speak on it. That's something that needs to be said a lot more often than it is. Um, but if an athlete is educated and, and they, they have a knowledge, and when I say educated, I don't necessarily mean that they went to college for four years and came out with a, a degree. That's not the only way to be educated. Look at a guy like LeBron James. That dude has been educated on life experience, and he is one of the most knowledgeable athletes out there right now. But if an athlete is knowledgeable, educated, and feels like he wants to step out and speak on certain issues, by all means, that is his prerogative to do so. It's not necessarily you know, a necessity, though. But on this... It's wild to me that we see so many athletes all on the same page here. And frankly, I just said it's wild to me. It's really not. It's not because there's such a clear right and wrong here. 
like I said earlier, we have seen this story play out time and again, man. Time and again. It's tiresome. It's frustrating. It's a load that this country, particularly black people, have to carry with themselves all day, every day, 24-7, 365 days out of the year. And it's encouraging to see people, white, black, athlete not, speaking out and saying that this is intolerable. It's frustrating to see our president calling the, the the protesters thugs. Like I said, I won't get into the politics of that, man. Um, that's not really the space that I'm going to operate in today. But just I, I wanted to say that seeing all of these athletes of, of all creeds and backgrounds it, speaking out on behalf of, of the people that are making their voices heard in Minneapolis right now, it, it's... It's really beautiful, man. It's beautiful and it's much appreciated. I feel like we as consumers of sports, of fans, as fans of these athletes, we need to acknowledge and appreciate what they're doing right now um, by using their platform. I mean, these these guys have kids who look up to them, even adults that look up to them. I'm not saying the words that they say are necessarily going to immediately change everyone's minds, but it's a step in the right direction, man. Is a step in the right direction. Speaking in steps in the right direction, I, I just want to. I I wrote the piece, like I said, um, a letter to my white friends, and in doing so, a lot of people reached back to me, and, and they said, "Reagan, man, and th- these are white, black, all people, right? Reagan, particularly my white friends. Reagan, what can I do to help? Because." I see this, I read this, it touches me, it helps me understand what you're going through a little bit better. I know I can't fully ever understand because I'm not walking in your shoes every day, but I want to help. I'm not going to throw people's names out there in terms of who's reached out to me. That's their business. And I appreciate the fact that they did reach out to me. Um, But a lot of people are are searching for ways to help right now. And I want to highlight two ways that I think are the absolute biggest ways that any white person can help the situation right now. Obviously, you can repost on social media. Obviously, you can donate to the causes. Obviously, you can support black businesses in your community. But a lot of times when I think about racism in this country, the biggest issue is not overt racism anymore. We're not walking down the street being called the N-word by people to that extent, like like we were back in, in the, the 1800s, 1900s, and, and what have you. That's not really what's going on, but what is going on is arguably just as, if not more, dangerous. We, not be, we might not be walking down the street being called the N-word, but we are walking down the street and people are crossing to the other side of the street because they have these prejudices, these biases. We are walking down the street and people are not vocalizing it, but they might think it. And the thing is, it's not socially acceptable anymore to be openly racist. But behind closed doors, I know there's a lot of white people who get a little bit bolder when there's no black people in the room and they can they feel like they can vocalize some of their more problematic viewpoints. Here's what you can do as a white person. Check that. Check that shit, man. Check that. You cannot allow 
that to happen anymore. People need to know that that sort of mindset is unacceptable, not just by black people, but by every single person in this country. You cannot think like that in any setting. We won't tolerate that. That's what you can do as a white people is check other people with problematic mindsets in those spaces where black people cannot exist or do not exist. In those spaces where somebody who has prejudices and biases, they feel a little bit more comfortable talking to you about it because you're not a black person, you won't call them racist. No, man, call them racist. Call them out on exactly what it is that they are. Let them know that not anyone is going to tolerate that from them. The thing number two, man, reach out to your black friends. A lot of black people, man, going through this is so stressful. I, I, I saw a post that was something along the lines of, you know, being black is seeing all this and feeling numb about it, but at the same time, feeling it extremely hard. I think that paints it pretty well because, you know, it's like we see this all the time, but it never really stops hurting. You just learn to live with that pain. White people, reach out to your black friends, man. Let them know that they do not stand alone right now. Check up on them. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them how they're feeling. Be a listening ear. Don't let it stop there. Don't just be a soldier to cry on. Take active steps as well, like I previously mentioned, in terms of letting people know that this is intolerable. But you also have to be there to let black America know, let your black friends know, let the black people that you care about know. You're right here with them. And although you might not be able to understand. You're always going to be there to help. That's what you can do. That's what we need you to do. That'll do it for this episode of the Reagan Griffin Jr. Show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, man. Rob Parker came on the show. How about that? I'm going to start incorporating a lot more guests into the show. Um, as we live in this this drought of sports content to produce, I, I think it, it, it's appropriate to bring in some of the heavy hitters in the industry. Um, thankful again to Rob Parker for coming on the show. Next week, I got another dude lined up. I, I'm going to set out a promo uh, for that this week. He, he's a guy who uh, he started his own uh, sports network and he he built it literally from the ground up and it's covering Philadelphia sports he covers the Eagles he covers the the Flyers the 76ers and now he has writers and things working for him and they've really created something here they're an acknowledged business by Google like this is a legitimate thing his name is Liam Jenkins he's created the Philly Sports Network he's the only Eagles fan I know that lives in the United Kingdom we're gonna get into all of that man stay tuned Love you guys. Thank you for all the support. I will see you next week.